Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 54. We're covering the 2019 Sony Open on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have European Tour expert Paul Williams. Evening, Paul. Evening, Steve. How are you doing? Yeah, we're good. We also have the 2019 debut of podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Nice to have you on board this evening, Barry. How are you? Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, I'm good. Excited. It's nice to nice to have had that break. Uh, I think everybody kind of gets a little worn thin towards the end of the year. And uh, it's it's actually easing back in with the, the Tournament of Champions. Uh, it's a good, good kind of soft soft entry to, to the year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to a full field event this week. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And a Happy New Year to you as well, Barry. Happy New Year, Barry. Yeah. Thank you, guys. GolfBankSystem.co.uk, that's our website. We're, we are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the podcast description box. Our Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and a myriad of different pod channels. You can also listen via the Golf Betting System YouTube channel. Naturally, subscribe and follow the podcast. Please take time to rate and review us on iTunes. We would love a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word about the show, and it helps to keep all of our weekly content free across the website. Like I did last year, I'll also read out my reviews or, or any reviews, rather, on next week's show. Okay. Yeah, Tournament of Champions. Uh, I had three in the top eight, made a loss on the week, and in DeChambeau and Leishman, I thought I had a pretty good chance of actually scoring the win at various points through the tournament. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it didn't was, happen. Uh, no, Leishman was, was the closest, wasn't he? Um, all three of us were on Leishman, weren't we? So a bit yeah. disappointing to uh, to just get a uh, get a share of the each way money in the end. Yeah, um, not good. Given that, he'd, given that he'd played pretty well, I mean, there were too many big mistakes in there, weren't there, over the course of the uh, course of the week? But um, you know, he's still clearly playing some decent enough stuff in general. Couldn't get so, any momentum yesterday at all. The, uh, I, I watched all, I watched as much of the final round as uh, as my eyes would allow me to. I fell asleep at about three holes to go, but. He just never got the putter going on the, in the no. final round. So, and the, you just need momentum there on a Sunday. Do you think the fact that Xander was playing one of the rounds of like the millennium kind of yeah. put him off? Yeah, that, it must it must be mad when you're playing with someone that's playing that well. It's so frustrating because like you see everything he hits goes in, including shots from off the green, and everything you hit just rolls over the edge or just misses, and it, mm. it just, it's um, it's kind of a circle of frustration, I guess. So, um, but he's such like he's such a good guy. Leishman is. He was like he was giving Xander fist bumps and stuff like so. Um, you know his time will come. I'm not saying it's a karma thing, but uh, he's he's just a super talented golfer, and he could. Uh, he could easily just go and, and, and grab the win this week, but sure we'll get to that when we get to the tournament preview. If you yeah. look at the if you if you look at the black and white facts, we've still got a scenario where Gary Woodland is a three three time PGA Tour winner. Um how how he actually lost that, I'll never know. Although you can't really say he lost it. I don't think he did it, you know. He shot five under in the final round. Yeah. Um, and, and he was responding on the back 
nine, made that big putt on 17, just didn't under the most severe pressure. He said he was in between clubs with his second, his approach into 18, and um, he tried to hook it in, just didn't hook. And he lost by a shot. I mean, that round by Xander, that must go down as one of the craziest closing rounds that we've seen for a long, long time. With the bogey to start as well. Insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Insane. No, look, what, what, look, Gary Woodland cannot be anything other than feeling heartbroken, ripped and you know, ripped apart, ripped off after yesterday. He made a couple of really clutch par puts, um, mm. kind of around the middle of the round. You know, those eight to ten footers that kept it going. So I thought he played brilliantly um, up until he played the well fifteenth. Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, you just got one of one of those days where someone just comes through with uh, you know something incredible and. How can you compete with it? You know, he, he did he did as much as he reasonably could. As you say, he didn't didn't birdie the last, and perhaps you would have expected him to to do that. But uh, but other than that, yeah, hats off to him. That's a great week, and if all you can do is take confidence out of that and say, do you know what, somebody had to put in a worldy performance, like a performance around of the year or you know a contender for round of the year to beat me today. Um, so just take it forward and go. Hey, if I keep playing like that, the win will fall sooner rather than later. Yeah, and he's been playing well for a while now, hasn't he? He's, yeah. Uh, we have seen a... people in the past, Jimmy Walker being the one that I remember back in '15, who lost in a playoff uh, at Kapalua and then came here and won. So yeah. it does happen. It has happened. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing with Gary. He's always been the same, isn't he? He needs to knock at the door five, six, seven times and eventually the door opens and he wins one. Yeah, whether, his, pro- his price is prohibitively short by that yeah. point. So, well, of course, uh, so yeah. From a bet- betting perspective, it starts to look a bit um, a bit unrealistic, doesn't it? We're getting 14s today. Some of the, some of the bookies are short as nine to one in this week, which um, is yeah, it's getting a bit, uh, bit on the short side for me. Yeah, nine, Unibet at nine to one. That's outrageous. Mm. That is out. That's an outrageous price. But yes, I mean, you, you can't knock his credentials. I would not be surprised, especially with his record around here, to see him being a factor this week. But yeah. Now, let's talk Sony Open. Um, it's always the first full field event of the calendar year. Clearly, it used to be the full field event of the season, but those days have long gone. Um Played at Wirelight Country Club, which is a par 70. It's an old-style kind of golf course. It's a Seth Rayner original design. Uh, we're looking at 7,444 yards. Um, two par five, so the traditional par 70 layout. And what we've seen here recently is it's really become quite an easy test 2016 it ranked 45 of 50 courses on the pga tour 2017 was the year uh that thomas won at 22 under or something ridiculous 27 yeah 27 under that was the year he got his uh 59 wasn't it when he opened uh opened with 59 that day or that week yeah Difficulty ranked that year of 43 of 50, and last year it was 39 of 51 courses. Um, there's no real difficulty to it. It's all pretty much straight in front of you. Um, the 18th is always a memorable hole. It's one of those dog leg, uh, dog, dog leg lefts, isn't it? And they try and cut it over the corner or, or hook it round or 
draw it round if you've got the draw kind of shot in the locker. Um, and it's just one of those tests, really, where conditions, again, have a, have a major effect on it. I was surprised slightly last year, actually, because Kazaya won at 17 under, which I classify as kind of mid, mid-teen score. It wasn't a genuine... Um, it wasn't a genuine resort score that won it, as mm. as we said before, with Thomas shooting 27 under the year before. He won by seven shots, by the way, from Justin Rose, who shot 20 under. But reading back, a lot of that was because the last couple of years they've been kind of filtering in new green surfaces across a number of holes, and a lot of the players are com- you know, were commenting about the fact that um, yes the greens were very non-receptive and you know ball approach shots weren't being accepted and that that did have an effect on scores we're a year down the line whether they put any more um, greens new greens in play we don't know Um, we'll find out uh, over the course of the next few days but um, just looking at the weather forecast it looks like there's going to be pretty much no wind to speak of nothing over 10 miles an hour and if it gets to that, that looks um, it looks like it might not even get there on a couple of days. There hasn't been a lot of rain in the area. So Kapalua looked quite soft, especially at the start of the tournament. First two rounds, there was plenty of cut in the fairways. I'm not, I don't think we'll see that this week at Wailai Country Club. And what you tend to get here is a lot of run on the fairways anyway. Yeah, I don't it's not th- a long I, course, is it? So no, it's not, it's not going to play particularly long at all, is it, really? I don't think you're going to get a lot of cut in the fairways, but it's still going to be scorable. So I think we're going to see some really long driving distance numbers. I think everyone's going to be getting it out there. Um, Statistically, what you need around here, as we know now, I've added these strokes gain tournament trends on the preview. I've put a link through to the preview in the um, podcast description for listeners, as I always do. Um, Take the last three years. So Keziah, Thomas and Gomez won in 2016. Good old Fabian Gomez. 20 under he won at, Thomas was 27 under, Kazai was 17 under. If you look at the stroke gain numbers and averaging them out across the field, the numbers, the two numbers that absolutely jump off the page. Strokes gained approach, they across those three winners, uh, they were they they were in position three, and strokes gained putting, again, position three. So effectively, it turns into a who can get the ball. Uh, consistently in range to make birdie putts, and then who's got the hot putter. It's as simple as that, really. Strokes gained off the tee number and driving accuracy numbers, they're way out there. I mean, the average here for driving accuracy of the winners since 2010 is is 38th in the field. So accuracy... You always, I always used to think of this place as a kind of Tim Clark... Uh, Zach, a Zach Johnson kind of fair, a Johnson that, that Wagner was, that, who that won was, here. Yeah, that was that was the test, wasn't it? You know, Jer- yeah. Jerry Kelly. Jerry Kelly's one here, isn't he? Mark Wilson. That's you the kind it. of kind of players. Plotters, yeah, plotters. Yeah, yes, yeah, short, accurate, decent putters. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's that kind of test. But uh, as you say, it's kind of it's gone, mate, bit, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, last year, Kaziah, fifty-one point eight. Percent of fairways was 56th in the field um, in terms of his fairway accuracy, and that was the same with Thomas Gomez. No one's hitting fairways. They're basically saying that they cut the rough back right back. Um, there's plenty of run on the fairways. If you if you miss on the right side of the fairway, you've got no issues with your approach shots, and you can kind of see that with the way the course plays. Um, there's loads of information as per usual on my preview. Um, 
We've had winners here from off the page, just to throw that in there. Kazai was 20th after round one last year. Fabian Gomez in 2016 was 68th. So, as per usual, if you open up uh, you open up on a Friday morning and you look at the leaderboard and your players aren't at the top, don't necessarily throw your phone out the uh, window on Friday. Um, they need to start getting into contention, though, end of play um, Friday. Uh, they need to really be in situ for round three. Kazai was second. Justin Thomas was leading. Fabian Gomez was fifth. Jimmy Walker was first. Jimmy Walker, when he won the first time, was fourth. So you've got to be in those last couple of groups come Sunday. Um, what do you guys make of the Sony Open? Is it a tournament you enjoy? Um, what do you think of the golf course? How does it flow with you, with you two? For us, it's kind of almost too many hours behind. You need to make a pretty concerted effort to fire the TV up at around half 10, 11 at night. Mm. So um, it's always been one that I've caught bits and pieces of um, and not watched, you know, the full the full amount. Although now I've kind of switched my body clock to late night viewing, having watched <laughs> the final round last night, I could end up watching the whole load of the coverage. Um yeah, it feels weird knowing that there's not going to be much wind there this week. Usually just expect, no. you know, Hawaii, you're going to have wind to deal with. And um, w- without that, I expect the scoring to be yeah, yeah very low. I mean, if you, you, if got, you give you these hit, guys a chance, yeah, yeah. They're gonna ri- someone's going to rip it to shreds. They'll tear it. Somebody's got to get into the, the low mid-20s, won't they? You've got to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, um, yeah, who's got the putter in the fire at the moment, you know, ready to roll in a whole lot of birdies? Here's a couple of stats for you. Uh, we've been in this situation where they play Kapalua, then Wailai, haven't they? Past 20 champions, 14 had played on Maui the week before. So 70%. Um, if you look at that as well, since they went to this new scenario whereby the, the actual year starts here rather than the season, uh, since 2014, Walker times two, Gomez, Thomas and Kezia had all played the Tournament of Champions the week before. Course, ex- course experience also seems to pay dividends here. 12 of the past 13 champions had played the Sony Open prior to lifting the trophy. The exception there was Russell Henley back in 2013 when he'd won a couple of late-season Web.com Tour events and then on his PGA Tour debut, get that, (laughs) he won this at something crazy like 23, 24 under because that was the year I was on Tim Clark and he finished second. Yeah, he's... He opened with like three rounds, sixty-three or something ridiculous, didn't mm. he? It was just a procession for for a player who was, uh, you know, so raw. But in terms of experience, now we know Russell Henley. He fits the bill, really, doesn't he? He's yeah, he the kind of guy that hits high GIR. When he gets his putter going, he can he can he can absolutely rip any golf course apart, especially a Bermuda grass green golf course. Mm. Just we, with that yeah. in mind, we're looking at we're not looking at Tiff Eagle Bermuda grass this week, as we saw last week at Kapalua. We've got the rare a rarer strain this week. It's Tiff Dwarf Bermuda grass, and that is shared with um, golf courses like Sea Island, where they play the RSM Classic at the end of the year. 
It's also shared with the uh, Sanderson Farms Championship that they played, used to play at Annandale, but they now play that at the Country Club of Jackson. And you do see strains of form around those three courses that kind of intermingle together. So if you see, if there's a player you fancy and they've got some form at the Country Club of Jackson, I mean, Justin Thomas has got a top five there, for example. Um, and Patton Kazire has finished in the top three there at the Country Club of Jackson. So that kind of um, form is not a bad thing to see if, if you can see that in a player you're interested in. And the same, of course, goes for the RSM Classic. You know, you've got the obvious players like Kevin Kisner, who's played well at both golf courses, um, and the list goes on, really. Mm. Tends to be a bit grainier, doesn't it, Tiff Dwarf? So it yeah. kind of makes sense why you've got some players who... Or you look at the uh, event history and players who have played the event before um, seem to be at, at, at an advantage. And Henley aside, as you as you just said, um, and some of that will be down to the fact that you need to be able to read the greens to be able to compile a score that's in the you know a competitive twenty under twenty twenty two twenty seven, as you said with JT. So um, yeah, having some experience with players who do get on with um, you know different strains and grainier Bermuda um, can't be a bad thing I don't think in my mind it's the kind of test although I'll be honest I've never actually managed to snag the winner here I've had a couple of runners up but um, it's the kind of test where you need I don't think it's a pure ball strikers test if you see what I mean I don't think it's a ball strikers test where you know you've just got a constantly plough uh, greens if the putter isn't working at all you're not going to win you, you mean you can get a good place or whatever but actually when you see that number that says the winner here the last three years has averaged third in strokes game putting that doesn't feel like um, who doesn't it feel like it doesn't feel like um, a pure ball striker like a Gary Woodland or potentially someone of that ilk Scott Piercy. I, th- I had a good look at Piercy this week. I think Piercy can place, but whether he can win, you know, he's got a, he's got a putt out of his skin to win around here, and that potentially isn't a Scott Piercy. So if if you can find more of a short game putter that's actually hitting tons of greens at the moment, that is a really good look. Are you still there? Oh, we're both. We're, uh, I think we're we're all we're all sitting there waiting on who will, which one of us will go first with our first pick. Oh, well, <laughs> you go. You go first. I mean, my preview's gone out. I'm going to work in. Re- I'm going to work in reverse reverse order as well. I'm going to go biggest price first, and then we'll go down to the short price. But right, well, you I'm going to go first. the complete opposite way. I'm going to go my shortest price first. Go on. And go on. Uh, you mentioned his name there. He won in Sea Island in fifteen. And the first kind of thought I had in my head this week was Hawaii link to Carolina. Just the Carolinas, you know, that kind of, you get those windy kind of seaside courses. I know it's not going to be windy this week. You have the Bermuda grass. So Kevin Kisner jumped into my head. And there's a decent record here. If I just pull up the, yeah, he's a fourth and a fifth. Um, He was 25th last year, but fourth and fifth the two years before and has actually played just a couple of times in the last six weeks, which is kind of what I want to see as well. I don't like to see somebody having like six, eight weeks off. You just want to, you know, just keep the hand in. So um, 
He played the QBE, didn't he? The team yeah. event in Florida after he finished seventh at the RSM yeah. Classic. So, yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. played some winter golf, hasn't he? Came, what was it, 12th out of 12 or something like that. But, you know, yeah, that's no big deal. So you're out, you're playing. So, um, and clearly likes this course uh, with course experience being kind of a, a bit a help here. Um, I was very happy to take him on. And who was next? I'll, I'll just I'll rip my whole three. I'll go through my whole three. So my next one was Kyle Stanley. Oh, my. I thought we were talking about people that could putt. <laughs> I know, but you know these guys can all put. He just needs to be able to find it this week. Um, I'm going on the fact that he is lethal off the tee, extremely accurate. So he's going to give himself lots of approach shots from the fairway, to uh, which will help him get the ball. Hopefully, good proximity for the week, and then that'll negate the need to be an unbelievable putter. He'll just need to be above average for the week. So. Yeah, I know. Thirteenth in his last three tries here, so he's clearly getting to like the course. It, it's see, it's a little yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, but the name popped in my head. I'm trying not to get too technical at the start of the year with my getting you know, but by by kind of the time we get to the Masters, I'll be leveling myself out of picks and into picks with like all sorts of factors. Right now, I'm just kind of going with the uh, the spider senses, and his name shot off the page, so I said, that's good enough for me. And then I went and found some facts to back up why I'm backing him. In his defence, um, this is Carl Stanley's defence as opposed to Barry's, 10th um, last year, um, he was top 15 for putting. So, you know, you could argue with that, given that he's played the track six times, um, that he, he gets on... You know, disproportionately well um, with this particular track. You know, tenth an improvement on tenth uh, to, to place from uh, uh, for this week doesn't feel too much of a stretch. So he yeah, fits the, the he fits the bill in terms of the fact that he can hit tons and tons of fairways and greens. He's an absolute mm-hmm. machine, and like you say, those kind of players can certainly get into the mix. There's no doubt about that. I mean, last mm-hmm. last year we had Tom Hoagie and James Hahn. Right up there, so yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's more it's more than possible. And kind of a bonus was he's market best price uh, eight places with Paddy Power. So you know, yeah, I've got my maximum places and the best price. So I was dead happy with that. And I have one moonshot is um, who we are, we're all waiting for him to win. It who knows if this is the week or not, but. Uh, Sam Burns uh, available at 100 to 1 plus depending on what bookies and price combination you want to take yeah we, we all like Sam Burns on Bermuda don't we yeah and he's a he's a bit of a putting machine so if he can just keep the long game tidy enough to give himself enough looks uh, that that could be a good combination for the week mm-hmm yeah, no, it's certainly talented. Sam Burns, Sam Ryder, both of those guys. You wouldn't, you know, be surprised yeah. to see him pop up with some really good finishes, potentially a win during the course of twenty nineteen at some point. Yeah, so ho- hopefully he's ho- he's smart enough to um, pick the brains of somebody who's played this course a few times because this is his tournament debut. So just mm-hmm. give himself a little leg up on uh, on the course. So yeah. Um, those are my three for the week. I, I really do fancy Kisner very strongly. I've gone. Uh, 
like 754 points each way on him. <laughs> <laughs> to be precise. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, <laughs> that must have registered with the uh, European bank, Central Bank, that kind of bet, I'd have thought. It's, that's, oh, moving, yeah, yeah. that's moving currency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, che- I, I moved the entire odds checker myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I, I, I mean, from my perspective, I, I, I think I put a little bit more credence in in accuracy for this. And I, I, I hear what you're saying, Steve, about the way that it's shifted over the years. But my perception of the track, my perception of the the event, is that I think to compile the kind of score that you're going to need, particularly with it being um, pretty calm, pretty placid. I think if you can hit a, a little bit more than the the kind of average we're talking about here, you know, low fifties fairways. If you can hit slightly more than that, give yourself more of a chance of avoiding those flyers out of the rough. More of a chance of getting your proximity closer to the to the pin. More of a a look at some short putts. I think you're going to be in a position to make more of those putts and to compile a, compile a lower score. So I do put a little bit more credence personally on accuracy for this particular event. Um, and I can see where you're going for, going coming from with Carl Stanley, Barry. Um, I looked at Zach Johnson and Zach, um, he finished, what was it, seventh at the RSM at the back end of last year. Um, and that was a, a bit of a step forward. Obviously he's won here, actually he's won at um, Kapalura as well, hasn't he, over the years, Zach? Yeah. Um, 40 to 1, I, I, I haven't pulled the trigger on that. I'm going to have gone to ponder it a little bit more, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Zach go quite, quite well this week. Um, and the putter seems to be working a bit stronger. I think he putted something like 1.65, that kind of bracket on his last start, which he hadn't been putting particularly well for a while. And uh, that was a, a stat I liked. Um, Siwoo Kim's another one that I looked at. Um, 50 to 1, I couldn't quite pull the trigger on that. But again, if you're looking for someone who's good from tee to green, but he has been improving in his part, and I'm sure he appeared on some of your rolling stats uh, recently as well, Steve. He's number one on the PGA Tour for strokes game putting at the moment. Guys, 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 hang on, hang on. You do remember 2018 and Siwoo, <laughs> yeah? Like, we didn't just get, like, amnesia as the gong, like, clicked 12 on the 31st of December. Come on. The, the slates, uh, the slates cleaned with the new year. And, and I just... was all over Siwoo Kim last year at far too many events. Yeah, uh, do, do you not? Know... Down all the time. And did you see what happened? The guy who put the dagger through our hearts last year when we were on him at two hundred to one, Kadira decided to prop up the field last week at, at the plantation course. That was yeah, the yeah. that was just the insult to the injury. I thought you know to go there and just. Win a tournament and then go to the tournament of champions and play absolute. Yeah, we're not there. I to... loaded up on him last year. He finished fifty eighth. He'll probably second... go well this year. This year, actually. Yeah, he's got some. Thought. Didn't he finish second or third on debut here? From remember, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Uh, did reasonably well before last year. Uh, but I, 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 having said all of that, I still not backed him because um, you know, as Barry said. You know, some things linger for longer in your memory than uh, than, than perhaps they should. And uh, if it had been twice the price, I think I'd have been. Uh, I wouldn't even be thinking about it. But so uh, fifty to one doesn't feel quite long enough for me to to take a chance on Siwoo. And um, the reason there was a big uh, 
silence earlier, Steve, is because I was trying to word how I was going to bring my Scott Piercy bet into the conversation, seeing as you'd uh, just basically <laughs> said, that, uh, <laughs> said that that was a non-starter. But I'll, no, I'll no, try I, to I think, I think No, I think Piercy can place, if you're happy with uh, each way money. Yeah, but yeah. I know, whether, I think... whether he can, whether he, so statistically, you look at it, Scott Piercy finishes second, yeah, potentially, yeah. but he doesn't win. Yeah, and yeah, he's finished well, second, and he's finished second here in the past. Yeah, yeah, it's done. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought sixty to one um, was worth taking to to ask the question as to mm. whether he can continue some good form that he has shown. Yeah. And if you look at going back just his last five events, 27th at the CIMB, he was fifth yeah. going into the weekend. I think so we've all had chunks of him over the last few year outings, haven't we? Yeah, we have, yeah. So he did all right at the CIMB. Uh, mm. Fifth at the CJ Cup, second going into the final round, so again, he had a chance there. Uh, tenth at the Shriners, uh, sixth at Mayakobo, finished with yeah. 62 there. So if you want someone who's scoring well, um, clearly the, you know to finish with the 62, you're doing, you're doing pretty well. 19th last week, so he's got he ticks ticks that box from having played Kapalua. Um, started, he opened with something horrific, didn't he? 76. Or yeah, he did, like but that. then he picked his way through it, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, I noticed that you know he he was he was eking his way up the leaderboard through it, and in the end he threw in a uh, two sixty nines on the weekend, round three mm. and round four. Yeah. So yeah, yeah his his game's good, Pearson. Yeah, yeah, he's I can see him being a serious factor. Yeah, and he, you know, in terms of uh, from off the tee, he's he's found lots of fairways as you'd expect. Uh, third fairways found last week, which uh, uh, you know suggests that he's he's long game and there's no problem with it. If you look at his putting, going back to some of those results, CJ Cup he was fourth for for putting average. The Mike he was seventh and he putted at sub one point six. And for Scott Piercy mm. to produce a sub one point six putting average. Um, that's for me. That's a big eye opener. Um, as you said, second year in 2015, um, he opened with 64-64 in 2013, and um, was second at the halfway point. So I think he likes the track. He's been in the mix um, a number of years here without, you know, I'd say save for that second place. Um, he's he's found himself in a position where he could have pushed on a number of times. A couple of Bermuda wins. Um, but just before we came on, I saw a tweet from from Ben Coley where he was talking about, um, or he showed some um, tweets from uh, from Piercy, who uh, was talking about his favourite track, his favourite event on the on the on the uh, PGA Tour, and every time he's been asked the question, he's uh, respond, responded with uh, with the Sony Open. He's responded with this uh, this event and this track being his his favourite uh, event and favourite course on the PGA Tour, um, which kind of backed up where I was thinking in terms of you know him standing a chance at sixty to one. So um, hopefully I've defended that admirably um, to, uh, to, to given that the uh, the kind of emphasis was uh, against. Ball strikers, but I, I do. I personally, I think he's got a chance. I think he's. I think he's worth taking on at that price. So that's my shorter of the, uh, the two bets that I've had so far. And the second one, um, I was placing it just literally as we were coming on air. Is Brian Gay, and again he kind of falls back into this pattern of the players that we talked about at the start: the Jerry Kellys, the KJ Choi's, the Mark Wilsons. You know these these shorter, tidier players. Um, 
the thing with Brian is actually he's been putting quite well. He's got three Bermuda wins over the course of his career. Um, very consistent recently. 11, trot, 11 cuts made on the trot. Um, and again, you know, similar to Piercy, he's been in the mix a number of times over the recent past without really um, threatening. So he was seventh going into Sunday at the RSM, third at halfway um, at the Mike Ober. He shot a 63 in the second round there, so his shooting boots are on that particular week. He shot 65 at the Shriners the week before that. A couple of top six finishes here over the years. Um, and again, quite recently, 13th in 2017, he's shot 64 in the second round so um, I think if he can find a putter and, and with uh, Brian Gay that's not a big ask because he is a fantastic putter um, accurate um, I think there's a lot to like about him I, I thought 125 to 1 um, was a price that was worth taking on there's a bit of disparity between the bookies with Brian Gay as well some were as short as 66s earlier so um, I thought 125 was again a chance worth taking but they're just the two that I've backed so far today. And if I had a third, it would likely be Zach Johnson. But I've not actually convinced myself that that's the bet to take yet. Zach. Did he sort himself out with a new caddy yet? Could get the new caddy bounce. Yeah. Worth um, worth having a look at, actually. I can't, I can't answer yes or no. But um, these are the kind of things, I think, to pull the trigger at 40 to 1. Um, yep. I need need to be um, a little bit more convinced about the the overall the overall package with Zach, but uh, I think there's something there. I think there's some, some improvement, and I think um, you know clearly clearly he likes the track and he likes the part of the world as well. So potentially, potentially. So where are you going then, Steve? Well, if we look at the last few winners here, uh, Kaziah, fifteenth at Kapalua, forty fifth at. Uh, RSM and he won the Maya Cobra. You then look at uh, Justin Thomas. He won at Kapalua, came here, won again at 14 to 1. Uh, you look then at someone like Fabian Gomez. He finished sixth at Kapalua. And then a couple of outings before that, he won a domestic tournament in Argentina. Mm. And then you can even go back to Jimmy Walker in 2015. He'd finished runner up in a. Oh, he'd, he'd lost a playoff at Kapalua. And the year before that, when he won here, the first time, he was only 21st at Kapalua, but he'd won on a full series event at Cordival. And he'd finished sixth at the CIMB Classic. So if you look at that, four of the last five winners have all won a tournament this side of the Tour Championship. And the other one had finished second at Kapalua. So I think that's not a bad steer as it goes, some kind of immediate form. I tell yeah, you where my back, short back end of the previous year, yeah. Yeah, you got it. I tell you where my short list came to. It came to six players in the end, and I've, I've, I've chosen four. Um, I had the two that I looked at and was ve- were very tempted with, but didn't go for them. Was Brian Harmon, mm. who won the QBE Classic a few weeks ago uh, with Pat and Kazaya, and who was sixty six to one, and I think. That's a good price uh, in this event with a player that's got a decent record around here. And again, Carmen's the sort, isn't he? Short, uh, relatively short, accurate. It's lots of greens when he's in good nick, and he's a he can be an absolute lights out putter. Yeah. So he follows that kind of route of someone that's a little bit more accurate, but quite aggressive with it as well. So Harmon, yeah. I know he's been he's been backed in quite heavily this afternoon. We're recording this Monday um, Monday tea time in the UK as ever. 
He's good in the wind, Harmon, isn't he? So with a little bit more wind in the forecast, you could have... Uh, yeah, maybe. There. I was on him last year, and he was actually the 36-hole leader, and he was 20-1 to 1 last year because he was in such good nick. Mm. The other one that I really did have a very close look at, and who I, this, this guy, I'm warming to him. I was a bit... It's difficult to know with a lot of these young players just how good they are, but the more I see him, the more I'm starting to get my head round that this guy, I think, is going to be a very, very elite player. Um, it's not just the fact that he won since he got promoted to the PGA Tour. It's the fact that from that point onwards, he's gone to various different tracks and he's always been competitive. He's always been in the mix. And just from a statistical perspective and just the way he plays the game, I, I could see Cameron Champ going well this week. There was a smidgen of 30-1 to 1 about him, which was the price that I put down on my shortlist. Can that I just be, say, that's going to be the most overused phrase on this podcast this year. What's that? I could see Cameron Champ going well this week. <laughs> the guy's lethal. It's going to be hard to pick and choose your weeks when you actually back him. I mean, he hit- at the end, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, this kind of banging it as far as you can off the tee and gouging it out the rough—that's just as effective around wireline, or it can be. You know, Jimmy Jimmy Walker's no um, driving accuracy animal is he Justin Thomas as we said was less than 50% of driving uh, in terms of um, hitting fairways the other thing I've noticed with Champ I lot, I've watched quite a lot of content of him playing over the full, uh, over the end of last year and actually you go and watch him on courses like uh, Sea Island he was using a lot of irons off the tee mm-hmm. so he's clearly not one of these guys that literally pulls dry you know, he's not a Johnny Vegas or He's not the kind of guy that just will pull driver on every hole. No, he's not. Bra- he's not brain dead at all. No. by the looks, yeah, I totally there's agree. Some, there's some structure and strategy to what he's doing, and if you look at Champ, you know his 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 record right now is fantastic, and on top of that, I mean, eleventh at Kapalua, which on tournament debut is fantastic. He was twelfth in that QBE we keep talking about the pairs event. Uh, then 6th at the uh, RSM, 10th at Mayakoba. You see what I'm saying? He just hangs around. 28th at the Shriners, although I think he went out in the final or second to last group on the Sunday and fell apart. And he won, mm-hmm. He won, of course, at, at Jackson, which, as we know, Tiff Dwarf, Twift Dwarf, Twift, Tiff Dwarf Green. So if you think of that, he was first on Tiff Dwarf at Country Club at Jackson. He was also 6th at Sea Island. So he clearly gets on very well with Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass. I just thought thirty to one on a guy that's won recently. I thought that was a good price on Champ. That will probably come and bite me on the arse, and he'll win. But anyway, the four I've gone for, I'll go in reverse order on price. Guy that was second for strokes gained putting last week that really grabbed my attention. Uh, we talked about him towards the end of last year when he finished fourth at the World Golf Championship HSBC Champions event. And if you're looking for a guy that can kind of hit fairways, hit lots of greens, uh, and who is upwardly mobile in the official world golf rankings at the moment, I thought Andrew Putnam at 80-1 to 1 was a decent shout. And we've got eight places each way with Paddy Parrell on that, so the best price and also the best each way um, places on that. Mm. I think Putnam's the kind of player that can navigate his way around here and actually build up a decent total. And when you see he was second for strokes game putting last week, which doesn't tend to be his game, like that just kind of um, ticked a lot of boxes for me at eighty to one. So it's a decent each way punt, I think. Um, 
over and above Putnam. The other thing with Putnam I've noticed, if you actually look at the way where he has played well in the past, he seems to play well in kind of tropical locations. So uh, 7th, 4th and 5th in Colombia. 8th in the Bahamas, 1st in Panama, this is all on the web.com. He then finished 5th in the Dominican Republic and 2nd in Tennessee on the main tour last year. Now Tennessee, as we know, is roasting hot, high humidity. That was the uh, tournament he came 2nd to Dustin Johnson. So I think you know the kind of 25, 26 degrees, the, the kind of tropical um, environment he's in this week, I think Putnam can back up the... Uh, the uh, decent position he got last week. He was 14th last week. So of the nine um, debutants at Kapalua, he was in fourth spot. And he only finished behind McElroy, Champ, and who was the other one? I'm getting old, chaps. That's the trouble. <laughs> oh, of course, Kevin Twy. So yeah. Putnam, was, Putnam, Putnam was 14th. He finished uh, 10 under with Charles Howe. Which I thought was a decent performance from Putnam. So eighty to one, I'm happy to be on board that. Mm. Um, next up in terms of price for me was the defending champion, and his game's rounding up really nice nicely. I'm on Patton Kazaya, who was fifteenth at the RSM Classic. That was the first time he's ever defended a PJ to a title, so that was quite impressive. The fact he was fifteenth. He then went to the QBE. Uh, event, the pairs event, and he won that with Brian Harmon. And then last week, he was there or thereabouts all week, which was very similar to what he did last year uh, at Kapalua, and he finished eighth. And the thing that got me about Kazaya's performance last week was the fact that he was in the top ten for greens in regulation, and he's been struggling hitting greens for a long, long time. But now the confidence is back. He seems to have been hitting tons of greens in Florida at the QBE, and again he's he's hit tons and tons of greens last week at Kapalua. So I actually think fifty to one about Kazaya is a decent enough price for me to get involved. Yeah, Very he's certainly improving, isn't he? Streaky scorer, good putter, and when he's hitting, when he's actually hitting um, fairways and greens, I think he's the kind of sort that can compile that. 18, 20 under total that you're going to need to be getting close yeah. to to even get in the places. Yeah, he went right off the boil, didn't he? After his that kind of purple patch, and then when we were looking at the playoffs at the back end of last year, it was kind of you know how how is Pat and Kazaya still in these uh, in these playoffs? But yeah, it was those two wins, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, such a fantastic start to the wraparound season. Um, but yeah, seems it seems to be one of those kind of streaky players who then when he finds something in the games back on the ups upsurge, it's. Uh, might be the time to get on board. I don't think he lacks confidence either. I don't think he's the sort that feels that he's you know in a secondary type position to a lot of these boys. He likes to get stuck in. Um, and of course, he won here last year on Tiff, Tiff Dwarf. And as I said uh, before, um, he's got a top five and a top ten at the Country Club of Jackson. So he clearly gets on well with the greens, this, this Tiff Dwarf. And that makes sense because he lives and trains at Sea Island, at the Sea Island Performance Centre with the likes of Brian Harmon. So they're, they're practising on Tiff Dwarf sort of every day of the week. So I like, I like that. That would actually work for Kevin Kisner as well, because Kisner used to, he trains still at uh, Sea Island. He doesn't live there, but he trains there. So again, yeah. Tiff Dwarf, that works well with Barry. Two others. 
Um, when I saw 40 to 1 about Chucky Three Sticks, I just thought I'd get involved. That's kind of my insurance policy bet for the week. I could see Charles Howe getting um, involved this week because he, he hit tons and tons of greens again. He's the sort, of course, that is a... Yeah, yeah but Steve, you've been cussing pure ball strikers. He is a pure ball striker, Howe. But he's in great nick. He won, of course... Uh, at the RSM Classic at the end of last year, his third PGA to a title, so that feeds in quite nicely, you know, with these players that have got a win with them. So if you actually think about it, Kazai's got a win at the QBE, Howe's got a win at, uh, he's got a win at the RSM, so that fits in nicely with that trend we were talking about earlier. And when you actually dig into his numbers around it, I don't think people really realise just how good he is at this golf course. Fourth on debut in 01, then I'll just go through the places, not the years. Third. Second, fourth, fifth, second, and third. That's in nine appearances. He's also got a couple of top tens on top of those as well. Mm. And you actually go back in his history, he's actually topped strokes game putting here and an additional five top ten strokes game putting performances on these greens. So six top ten strokes game putting performances here at Wireline. So I tried to get 40 to 1, but by the time we got the preview up and running and, and it was all finished, he'd been niggled into 33 to 1. So I'm taking him as a kind of insurance policy at that price. If you fancy 40s, you could even get a bit of a boost with Ladbrooks. He's still 40 to 1 with the standard five places, a quarter of the odds. And finally, um, we've done, all done this before, haven't we? We follow a player. Um, we keep backing him, backing him, backing him, and then he wins the week you're not on him. I just think Leishman could go well again this week. So of the shorter prices at the head of the market, I've gone for Mark Leishman, who's got a top 10 here. He's also got a top five here. Um, and he's just playing bloody good golf. He actually sits second in my Greens and Regulation eight-week tracker. And that's a very um, interesting number in my mind. You can see some real links to previous winners here. I mean, Patton Kazaya. He was in the top 10 of that GIR uh, tracker last year when he won this. Uh, at the moment, I've got Bubba Watson, Mark Leishman at 2, Patrick Reed at 3, DeChambeau 4, Justin Thomas 5, Gary Woodland 6, and then you've got the likes of Andrew Putnam at 7 with Cameron Smith, Matt Kuchar. The other one I think, you know, people say, who, who do you think might go well from a uh, DraftKings perspective or who do you think's overpriced? We can discuss all this quickly. Um, one player I think could go well from a DraftKings perspective, and I know we haven't got any DraftKings prices, is Ian Poulter. Because Poulter topped yeah. greens in regulation last week at Kapalua. Yeah. Yeah, his, his name did catch my eye as I was going down the list as well because it's relatively um, long price, isn't he? Given that he did find sixty sixes, yeah, yeah. You know, he obviously got his win, didn't he, last year? And uh, he's the kind of player. Again, if you look at someone who's not particularly long off the tee, this will help. The fact that yeah. it's just just over seven thousand yards, it's got to be firm and fast, isn't it? That'll um, suit. So that, yeah, absolutely. It's not not going to hinder him at all. Um, I, I must must say his name did catch my eye as well. I don't think former so, yeah. round Harbour Town's a bad bad steer for here, and um, you, we know that he plays well at Harbour Town. We know that he can mm. play well in firm, fast conditions. I mean, remember that year that Siwoo won at uh, the Players when it was absolutely shockingly fast. He was in the top five that at that um, Players edition, wasn't he? Yeah. 
So I could see Poulter going well this week. He's only ever played here once, way, way, way back, and he missed the cut. But that means that means nothing. I think I think um, Poulter could be a factor. So as a DraftKings player, I would have thought he's going to be fairly cheap. Yeah, you'd have thought so. A lot of the um, overseas UK and uh, you know the Koreans, etc. A lot of those overseas players generally aren't amongst the, the highest priced players on DraftKings, and you can often pick up a. Uh, Pretty good price on one, can't you? So, be interested to see what he comes in at when uh, when they do go live with their pricing very shortly. Last week, Barry, you weren't around, but I know you listened to the podcast. We were kind of highlighting some potential value DraftKings plays because I know a lot of people um, say that um, you know a lot of these podcasts they all concentrate on the top six in the market and don't actually go for the guys towards the bottom that might actually get those killer points that you need to win. So I think I think Poulter's not a bad shout on that kind of angle. Um, are there players that you really think are overpriced this week who you wouldn't get involved with? I mean, Justin Thomas is being backed off the board at six to one. Yeah, he is. Isn't he? He's being um, absolutely hammered. Why. Yeah, you can see why. Clearly, you know, he's he's fell in love with his course before. Shot fifty nine round here. Decent finish last week or yesterday. Um, you know, people are taking a chance that he's going to going to pick that up and, and carry on here this week and yeah as you say he's been backed off the boards is now he's going to going to start around about 6 to 1 isn't he I mean you watched it Barry but if he puts like he did yesterday I think 7 to 1 which was his opening price won't be a bad price but if he the first 54 holes at Kapalua his putting was shocking but T to green he was number 1 absolutely number 1 across the field last week T to green just yeah, needs that flat stick to work just depends if that was a, a blip of a good day or a turning point of the putter. And he just found it. And, uh, and now he has it. Yeah. Uh, and like, I mean, going back there to a course where you've won before, you've good feelings, that has to be worth kind of a, an intangible couple of shots for the week, at least. Yeah. You know? So. Um, and he didn't. He, I, know the, I know the runways are like um, Heathrow Airport wide, but. He said that it was the first time ever he had hit all of the fairways in a round on the PGA Tour yesterday. He hit 15 of 15 fairways. Yeah, that's so clearly his long do. game and his GIR is absolutely fantastic at the moment. Hmm. Makes him dangerous, doesn't it? It makes him very dangerous. I think he picks up a major this year. Put it this way, of Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau and Gary Woodland, the, the three heads of state this week in the markets, I would be backing Thomas, personally. Yeah. That's, that's the one I'd go, just win only. I was I aiming was, I an R in, but I made, uh, I made the decision to go for Leishman. But I think Thomas, win only, that would be the bet at the top of the market. Of a player that I think is really overpriced, I just can't. Jordan Spieth still. You know, I'm seeing him at 14-1. to 1. And he's, he's shown absolutely nothing for a, such a long period of time now. Mm. Just got married. So I'm, I'm sure that the practice has been going well over the winter. Yeah, focus elsewhere. And, you know, 14 to 1 on Jordan Spieth. I mean, I would go nowhere near that whatsoever. So he clearly wins by five. <laughs> we shall see. Hideki's probably a bit expensive for where, you know... What's gone wrong there, Barry? It's injuries, isn't it? It's wrist injuries he has. Yeah, yeah, the wrist problem. And and they're on and they're off, so he's not getting any continuity of play. Um, You read read things about he's had some stress issues as well, apparently. 
Yeah, we yes. just got married as well, wouldn't he? So that makes sense. He ha- he also has a kid. You just don't hear. Him. It's funny. Like I think that came out. I might have been the No Ling Up podcast. I heard it on, and um, eventually it came out that he had a kid. And they were like, "Why did you? Why? You know, why did we not find out about this before?" He said, "Well, you never asked me." So. Yeah. You know, he certainly keeps himself to himself, and um, he's probably overpriced based on his uh, fitness record and looking at his previous results here in um, in Wiley, He's got three missed cuts, a 78th and a 27th, so um, doesn't get on with the course too well based on that evidence. No. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm sure there's going yeah. to be... I mean, as we saw last year, there's going to be players that get in the mix that you've got no chance of spotting whatsoever. I mean, last year, Tom Hoagie, James Hahn, Brian Stewart was also in the top five. The, the thing that's hard to track for us is, you know, it's a full field event. Some of those guys will have been... Or a lot of them will have been taking a very, very relaxed Christmas break, you know, take the time off. But a few of them might have been grinding like crazy hard and yeah, said, yeah. you know, to hell with Christmas. I'm going hell for leather. I'm getting myself, you know, really sharp for the start of the season. And when all the rest of the guys are just kind of easing back into January, February, I'm going to be ready to go and grab a win or two or or some really good money and lock up my tour card for the year. So those will be the surprise guys that you'll only find out what they were doing after their good performance this week. Yeah. Yeah, and it's difficult, isn't it? Because you don't know the, these the personal lives of a lot of these players. But you know, the younger single guys who you know haven't got a young family aren't, aren't spending as much time um, with those over you know with the family over over Christmas and over the festive period. Those are the ones that could uh, could have spent the bulk of that time, as you say, honing their game, getting themselves ready for this, really attacking it. One Just player, if, that, um, go on, go on, you know, you go. As I say, one player that caught my eye when I pulled the stats together today um, was Corey Connors. Um, mm. Now, Connors isn't in the field at the moment because he's one of the alternates, but um, if he manages to find his way into the field at a sensible price, then he'll be another one that I take a look at. I, I quite fancy Connors is the kind of player that could break through over the course of this season, this season or next. And um, mm. I think he's got a good game, a good fit for this track. Um, I was just a bit disappointed that I think he's sitting at the, as um, fifth alternate at the moment, so uh, there's going to have to be a few chops and changes with the field for him to find his way into it, which uh, is a bit disappointing because I quite fancy to go well this week. But uh, I'll keep an eye on him for some other events a bit further down the line if he doesn't manage to get a start this week. We'll see. Just to uh, highlight something, last year. Uh, we've got predictor models at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. They're all free of charge, loads of variables, loads of statistics. Now, um, I managed to get last year Jordan Spieth in position one in the predictor. I mean, that's not difficult for last year. Second was a bloke by the name of Brian Stewart, who then eventually placed at 125 to 1. And third was a bloke by the name of Patton Kaziah. So they were the th- top three in last year's predictor model. Now, I've thrown exactly the same variables at it this year. Mm. Yeah? Exactly the same. And it's come out with a top three of Gary Woodland at three, Justin Thomas at two, and Charles Howe third at number one. Mm. Uh, I've also got Leishman in there at four and Patton Kazire in there at six. 
So, if there's anything in that, we we will see. But it was bloody accurate last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. You should mention Connor, as I see him there at eleventh. Yeah. yeah, he's he's an alternate, so we don't know if he's playing. But we, yeah. we add him, we add him. But yeah, Connors he fits in a lot of ways. I've got a very, I've got a close eye on Connors at the moment. I think I, I'm with Paul. I think there's something in that chat. Whether mm. it's this week, next week, who knows? But he's he, he's he's a potential winner for sure. Yeah, I think so, and I think you'll get a good price in him that week that he does win as well. Mm. So one one, yeah, one yeah, for the notebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a few. I don't think Keith Mitchell's far away as well in terms of mm. winning something. Yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about the entire field, so good good luck to the <laughs> listeners in picking your golfers after all of that. <laughs> right, we're we're within chats. We're with within our hour podcast, so we've done well this week. We've kept it tight. Uh, it starts to get more difficult next week because we've actually got two tournaments to talk about. We'll just talk about Abu Dhabi, aren't you, next week? Paul? <laughs> we've got Abu Dhabi, yeah, yeah. The uh, start of the Rolex Series, the start of the European Tours 2019 schedule. Looking forward to that very much. Starts on Wednesday of next week. Just for your notes. <laughs> Just to okay. just to get everything else as busy as possible over the weekend to get it all out. Yeah, you got it. You've got it. Mm. You've got it. But yes, very much looking forward to that. Get my teeth into some European tour action. And we've also got the Desert Classic. That's the one that they play in California at PGA West. So Abu Dhabi will get pole position in terms of uh, coverage in the podcast next week, and then uh, we'll also talk about the. Uh, the Desert Classic, which I believe Justin Rose is playing at next week. It's interesting with this PGA Tour. They're, now they're being forced to play different tournaments every year. You are starting to get some mixed up fields, which makes it more interesting. Mm. Which can only be a good thing. Right, chaps, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, best of luck. Cheers, guys. Gents. Best of luck. Let's hope for a winner. And uh, best of luck to the listeners. We will see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>